0: Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts.
1: We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier youth.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We're very excited to have you here today. And what we're going to be talking about is how does trauma affect your relationships? And in particular, how does trauma affect your marriage relationship? If you haven't already, please take some time and subscribe so that you'll be notified whenever we have a new episode coming out. So one of the things that I think is important to understand when you're thinking about trauma and how it affects the way you interact with the world is that it really kind of offsets you from what's actually happening. And the thing I like to describe to people all the time is that there is reality and then there's our perception of reality. And I think the more and more traumatized you become, the more and more offset from reality that you are. Now, a part of the big problem with this is that our perception is our reality. And so what we perceive to be true in our minds, that is true. And so we react to it as though that is the reality we're living in. Now, again, just because our perception is our reality, it doesn't make it reality. Everybody else viewing us, if we are offset from reality, is going to see more of what's going on and be able to understand something is off. Something doesn't really make sense with how they're acting or how they're behaving. And if you're observing somebody like that, one of the initial thoughts that should come into mind is what are some emotional factors that may be going on or that may be at play that are causing them to behave this way. And one of the things is people want to look at these situations and people behaving a certain way and they want to try to look at it through a rational lens. But the problem is when you try to look at it through that rational lens, a lot of times it always falls flat or it doesn't make sense or you can't really understand where that person's coming from or why they might be behaving that way. And so I always like to tell people, if somebody's doing something and it doesn't make very much sense to you, a lot of times what you can do is just sprinkle a little bit of emotion into the situation, then all of a sudden that recipe starts to make better sense and you start to understand why somebody might be behaving or acting in a way that doesn't seem to make rational sense to you. So if you think about what emotion or emotions they could possibly be feeling in this situation, it might help you see a little bit better what's going on and what might be motivating them to act or behave in the way that they are.
1: And this might look like to everyone else an overreaction, right? And I think sometimes that person that is experiencing this overreaction when they are no longer in that fight, flight, freeze, or no longer flipping their lid and acting in that amygdala, but when they've calmed down, a lot of times they can see that that was an overreaction. And with that comes maybe some feelings of guilt or shame. But a lot of times they do see after the fact that that didn't align like maybe they thought it did. Like Tim said, when we see that disconnect from reality or we see this overreaction, there probably is some sort of trauma that's happened that they are responding to. And so that's a big way that trauma can affect relationships is that we're no longer responding directly to situations that are happening now in this reality, but we're responding to situations that we've experienced in the past or hurts from the past that we've experienced.
0: And one thing I think we should make clear too is that past trauma doesn't excuse bad behavior, but it helps us to understand what might be the motivating factor for it. And to a certain degree, having a little bit of empathy for somebody who has been traumatized and coming from a perspective of they're not intentionally trying to act this way, but it's more difficult for them not to. Now, it's not that they can't manage those behaviors, but it's just an extra layer of difficulty. And so it still is on the traumatized person, right? Their behaviors and the actions still have consequences to those. And I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, oh, because someone's traumatized, they should get a total pass. They absolutely shouldn't. That behavior still matters. And if they've wounded somebody, even if it was from a traumatized triggered or an emotional response, that behavior still has negative consequences on those people around them. But an understanding of it can help us to work at managing or shifting the direction.
1: Oh, for sure. And I totally agree with that, that it helps us to understand and give that extra compassion to them, but that they are still responsible for their actions. And that's where we kind of get this generational curse or this generational cycle of trauma. Because when people themselves are traumatized, a lot of times they begin acting that out. And that now traumatizes the next generation and other people around them. And that's why it's so important to recognize when there is trauma so that you can get help and stop it and stop that cycle so your kids don't have to experience what you've gone through or the people around you aren't being re-traumatized because of the trauma that you've experienced.
0: And I like what you're talking about right there where you're talking about that generational trauma. I think that's such an interesting thing. And you can look at it as, I was traumatized and therefore justify your bad actions now. Or you can look at it as a ways and means to think, hey, I was traumatized, but I don't want to perpetuate that. I think in my own family experience, both sets of grandparents on my mother's and father's side were relatively unhealthy people. But then my parents decided to work hard at being better and healthier than their parents were. And they were by no means perfect, but I came out from my childhood with relatively few scars, especially comparing it to what my parents went through. And then for me, what I want to then do is perpetuate that cycle that they started. They started trying to break away from the cycle of pain and hurt, and then that made it easier for me to work with my kids to help them break away even further from that cycle of pain and hurt.
1: Oh, for sure, and I think it was a very intentional thing on their part, right? It didn't just happen that they decided to have better lives for their kids, but I think they were very intentional about leaving a legacy, not just for you guys, but for their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, and making a change in that generational cycle.
0: Totally, they knew what they were doing and they really worked hard. Now sometimes their trauma did show through, but relatively infrequently, especially comparing it to their own parents, so my grandparents, how their trauma showed through. Now another thing I think is important to kind of point out is that, especially if you're a newer listener, just an understanding of what trauma is, there's a big T trauma and a little t trauma. So big T traumas are big major events like a car accident, or you're a military veteran, or you're an assault victim, something along those lines. Those are all things that are big T traumas that we would expect people to be traumatized for. Now, there's what's called little T traumas, and these are things that you wouldn't stereotypically look at as trauma, but for one reason or another, but that incident had caused trauma to you. And it could be something very innocuous. It could be something like you wake up, and you're in the car, and you don't have an ice cream, but the rest of your family has an ice cream. And we may look at that and think that that's silly. But from a four-year-old's perspective, that's a devastating moment where you can feel insignificant or not good enough or like, I can't get what I want. And then that gets imprinted on your mind. And then, like I mentioned earlier, that alters or shifts or moves you a little bit away from reality and causes you to be more reactive to something that reminds you of something similar.
1: And so then anytime you feel that same feeling again of I'm not good enough, I can't get what I want. I'm insignificant or not important. Those new experiences that you're experiencing are just kind of confirming those beliefs and just digging those neural pathways deeper and deeper so that those beliefs are now a reality and solidified in your brain. So you experience something else that has a similar belief and it confirms it to you that, see, I am not good enough or see, I can't get what I want.
0: So the idea is not to judge whether something should or shouldn't traumatize you. But it's just the understanding that this thing did. And the way you know it traumatized you is by if you think about that memory, and then that memory still makes you feel some type of uncomfortable emotion today. There's this guy I like to listen to, and he likes to read Reddit stories on his podcast. And one of the things that he says is whenever a story involves cake, or someone messing around with cake, or not doing something right with a cake, he says, I get irrationally angry. And that's a good cue that something has traumatized you, where it's like, hey, I understand this is irrational, but this is just what happens. And so whenever he reads a story that has something to do with something going wrong with the cake, he just gets very upset. And he at least is cognizant of it. He is understanding and aware that this gives me a major problem. And so for you, in your life, things that make you irrationally angry or things that make you doubly mad, those are a cue that there's some trauma that's left over there. And then for you too, also when you're observing your spouse and saying, okay, something's going on here. They're getting irrationally angry. Now, when someone's getting irrationally angry, you don't want to necessarily point that out and say, you're being irrational or you're being really triggered right now because all those things are going to do is escalate the situation even more and make it more likely that the person's going to get upset. And so the first order of operations when somebody is triggered is to work at calming the situation. And you definitely don't calm the situation by saying, calm down. (laughs) Normally, you talk to them in a calm way. You don't get argumentative. You don't start talking facts or information. You just talk through and validate what they're saying. And then that helps walk people back from the cliff. But if you're going to try to talk facts and information or you're going to argue with them, you're shoving them closer and closer to the cliff.
1: And so another way that trauma affects relationships is that it makes you hyper alert which is very similar to what we just talked about with this overreaction or this not living in reality for that situation. But this kind of backs it up to even before the situation happens, right? They're hyper alert, they're hyper vigilant and they're always aware of things around them. And in relationships, this might translate into them being hyper aware or hyper alert about things that you say and maybe hypersensitive to that. Because when we experience trauma, Our defenses and the things that we go through, kind of that fight, flight, freeze state, is something that we experience to help us survive. But when we're no longer in that traumatic situation, it can now be detrimental to our relationships and the people around us when we're responding to everything as if it's a trauma or we're responding to everything as if something might happen.
0: And so another danger with being hyper alert or hyper vigilant is that it can cause you to then read into something your partner says or does in a way that agrees with what your fear is. And so that's when a lot of times people start making assumptions about what their partner's motivation is. Then that can cause people to really get upset and irritated, even more so because they get so fearful that their partner might be meaning this or intentionally doing that. And so then they start operating under that assumption that it's true. And I see this all the time in counseling where we're talking about a situation and then one person will start talking on behalf of the other person and they'll start saying well i think that they did this or they mean this or they did it because of these motivations and then i'll stop them and i'll look to the other partner i'll say did you think that or did you mean it like they were saying just now and almost all the time they say no on a very rare occasion they do say yes but almost all the time they're like no that wasn't my motivation that wasn't the reason why i had done that But that person had inserted that motivation into their partner because of the fear of what that would really mean. And they're looking for that as a potential threat because they're hyper vigilant or hyper alert, looking for that threat constantly and then finding it in places where it actually isn't.
1: Right. So when we give you tools like give your spouse the benefit of the doubt, that becomes harder to do because you have this insertion of what you think they meant. And like Tim said, you begin filling in the blank and it's just hard overall for you to assume good because of your past experiences, whether with the specific person that you're talking to now or with someone else that isn't even involved in the situation right now. But it does make it very difficult for you to respond in a rational way when you begin filling in the blanks with things that aren't true.
0: And what you're just saying there, that's what people typically refer to as coming into the relationship with baggage they come into the relationship with these past woundings and hurts, and then what they do is when they're looking at this new relationship, they're viewing it through this lens of trauma, and they're interpreting everything that the person's doing through the motivations of their past relationship. And that can be very damaging and hurtful to the person who is new into this relationship, and they are not having any intended ill will to the other person. And so on both sides of this equation, really understanding that, okay, if I am traumatized, I need to be mindful of the fact that there are some situations that are going to have extra emotion injected into it because of how I've been hurt in the past. And then working through that and trying to minimize the negative expressions that that trauma wants you to express. But then on the other side of this equation, when you're in the relationship with somebody who has trauma, and everybody has trauma but meaning you're working with your partner in a traumatized moment, is trying to come from an empathetic, understanding way of, listen, I know this isn't all about me. Something additional is going on with them, and I want to work at helping them through this. And so ideally, this is a two-sided job where both sides are trying to work through the trauma together and not just saying something along the lines of, well, that's your problem. you got to figure it out, right? Or this is just who I am. You just have to deal with that. Both of those are very dismissive things. And if you're in a relationship and in a partnership, these are things that you should be actively trying to work with each other together on.
1: And on the other end of trauma affecting relationships in ways of making you hypervigilant and hyper alert is that trauma can cause you to feel numb or shut down and avoid situations altogether. And it's just like this idea of being hypervigilant that in the situation has caused you to survive whatever initial trauma you experienced, but now it's detrimental. And it's the same thing for this area of shutting down or feeling numb, that a lot of times, people who have experienced trauma have had to shut down their emotions and protect themselves in that way, in a sense, dissociating themselves from the situation in order to survive. But at this point, if you continue to do that in your relationship, When you're not experiencing that trauma it can cause major problems for you and for your spouse and for your relationship as a whole
0: i think it's very hard to connect with somebody if they're in a disassociative state because they're just basically holding the entire world at a distance and connecting with people is definitely much more than just mechanical behavioral actions that we're taking And so even as a funny thing earlier, Ruth and I, we were testing the microphones and I was being a little bit weird and she was dying laughing, right? In that moment, we were able to connect emotionally through not being basically cold and dead inside, but through being alive and warm and open with each other. So if you're disassociating all the time or you're just disconnected from reality all the time, it's going to be very hard to make connections with other people because you're just kind of flat and distant.
1: And not that you as a person are cold and dead inside, right? But that trauma has caused you to find protection by shutting out emotions, by shutting out the possibility of new and happy experiences because you're afraid that either you'll be hurt by it or at some point the other shoe is gonna drop. So why even let people in in the first place? So that's not who you are, but it's who the trauma causes you to become and to react to situations through.
0: In psychology we call these defense mechanisms. And so this defense mechanism, just like I think you were talking about a little bit ago, it was beneficial for a time, but now it's causing additional problems and it's outlived its usefulness. But it's not you choosing to implement a defense mechanism, it's something that your body and your brain has implemented to try and protect you. And so when we're talking about these traumas, it's not like something you can just switch off on your own the vast majority of the time you need some professional help in order to switch off these traumas and these defense mechanisms so that you can move forward in life without them. So in addition to feeling numb, it, it can also cause you to feel or desire to be avoidant of certain situations. And so depending on the type of trauma that you have had, some things may become very uncomfortable for you. So for example, any type of sexual trauma could possibly cause you to be more avoidant of sex. Or if you've had any type of trauma where you felt trapped and you didn't have an escape, getting onto a plane might seem terrifying to you. And that may give you anxiety when you're thinking about flying in a plane. Or if you've gotten in a car accident and then later on trying to get into a car brings you a deep level of anxiety, it causes you to start trying to avoid these situations. Or if in conflict with somebody you feel like it's an unwinnable situation and then later on you're around new or different people and then you still avoid conflict with them even though you've never had conflict with these people, you're still coming from the assumption, conflict is unwinnable, I'm not even going to engage, I'm going to avoid, and then I might people please as an attempt to avoid conflict, right? All these types of things, these are stemming from traumas that cause you to try to avoid these difficult, uncomfortable situations.
1: And I think in addition to avoiding situations or avoiding conversations that are difficult, it could be not necessarily in conflict, but avoiding conversations regarding the original trauma itself. So maybe it's not a conflict in your relationship right now, but that trauma is something that is unprocessed for you. So you don't even want to talk about it with your spouse who is safe and is healthy and should be a very great support system for you. But it's something that you are avoiding talking about altogether because obviously it doesn't bring up good feelings, but by doing so, You block off a big piece of your life and a big piece of who you are because you're not able to be fully open about all things in your life.
0: I think it also opens you up to the possibility that your partner won't understand you very well and then they might think that you're being overly dramatic or ridiculous with some of your reactions or responses because they just don't really understand where you're coming from because you have held a part of yourself back from them. Now, don't get me wrong, I can understand you might have good reason for that for fear of being judged or rejected, but they're missing a huge part of the equation of who you are and why you think or behave the ways that you do.
1: And kind of stemming from this avoidance, trauma can also affect relationships in that it leaves you feeling isolated, right? Because you're avoiding situations, you're avoiding conversations, but trauma can cause you to feel isolated sometimes because you feel like no one else understands or no one else has gone through this or can understand what you're going through. And so as you avoid these conversations with people who are now healthy in your life, it leads to kind of distance in relationship, distance in social settings, distance all around in what you're doing. And so you begin to feel this isolation, which can then lead to depression and anxiety and a lot more difficulties in addition to the trauma you're already experiencing. I think
0: another part of that, too, is that you can feel isolated even from yourself Mm. when you go through trauma where You're really not feeling like you understand who you are or what you need. Or even if other people might feel connected with you, you might not feel connected with them. And it's not because you're not trying to connect, but it's because you have this inherent resistance to connecting with others.
1: Oh, and I would totally agree with that. Because when we talk about grief, we talk about what have we lost? And a lot of times I've had clients identify, you know, a loss of sense of self, a loss of who I want to be or a loss of who I was. And so I think you're totally right. That isolation can cause us to feel that separateness even from ourselves. And that's a really lonely place to be.
0: And I think one of the things that's very helpful, especially for people who are struggling with this sense of isolation, if you've been through a relatively major trauma like grief or like divorce or some type of addiction, something along those lines, support groups tend to be very helpful for people because... In those moments, you feel like nobody else has experienced or has any idea what I'm going through. And then when you join these groups and you see, oh, lots of other people have experienced, oh, they said something. And that's exactly how I felt. It feels very validating to you and it makes you feel less isolated because if you're around a bunch of people and they haven't experienced those negative things that you have, then it is sending this message and nobody's intending this, but it is sending this message of, I am alone, I am isolated, nobody understands what I've gone through.
1: Well, for sure, I've seen that a lot where, in theory, clients understand that other people have gone through similar situations, but they view it as, I don't think people understand to what depth this has affected me. And so like you said, Tim, going to these groups, even if they're not actively talking and sharing, Just by being there and hearing other people's stories, I've heard a lot of clients who have felt very validated and who have felt very seen because they genuinely thought, no one else understands this feeling. No one understands what I'm going through. But by going there and hearing other people's experience, they begin to feel a little more connected. And so just to recap what we talked about today about how trauma can affect relationships, it can make you feel disconnected from reality or sometimes there's that overreaction of anger and frustration and it doesn't necessarily match up to the situation at hand. Trauma can cause you to be hypervigilant or hyper alert. Trauma can cause you to feel numb in relationships and shut down. It can cause you to be avoidant and then feel isolated. And so feeling all of this can feel very hopeless and feel like well, how can I fix my relationship? How can I fix how I'm responding to this? Because the trauma's already happened. But there absolutely is hope. And there are things that we can do to help with trauma itself, but also to help with trauma within relationships. So in the next episode, we're going to talk about how to curb the effects of trauma in your relationship. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know.
1: Disclaimer. Although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you're contemplating suicide.